0: there is a man in the Bible who is mentioned only a few times, yet he is one of the most famous men in all of ancient history. His name is synonymous with betrayal. Today, we're going to learn all about Judas Iscariot on this episode of the Gospel Gumbo Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Gospel Gumbo Podcast. You can help me out by spreading the love and telling a friend about the podcast. And I would love to hear from you. This is a really small podcast, and any email I get is pretty exciting. So send me your corrections, your suggestions, or just to say hi. All of that is great. Okay, let's get on to today's episode. The first mention of Judas in the Bible comes in the context of his selection as one of the 12 disciples. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verse 4, he is referred to as Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. The term Iscariot is believed by some scholars to denote a connotation to the town of Cariath, suggesting that Judas may have come from that region. However, the exact meaning and significance of the term remain debated among biblical scholars. Judas was not a peripheral figure among the disciples. Rather, he held a significant position as the treasurer of the group. In the Gospel of John, chapter 12, it is mentioned that Judas was responsible for the disciple's money bag. That in itself is not a bad thing, but John tells us that he was skimming money out of the common bag into his own pocket. In the Gospel of John, chapter 6, fairly early in his ministry, Jesus identifies Judas as the one who would betray him, acknowledging that the presence of evil is in his midst. Despite this foreknowledge, Jesus does not exclude Judas from the inner circle of the disciples, and they don't know who he is. The question of why Judas chose to betray Jesus is a central theme in biblical studies. The Gospel of Matthew in chapter 26 recounts that Judas agreed to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, so money was at least part of the reason. Some scholars argue that Judas may have been disillusioned with Jesus' ministry. The messianic expectations of the time included the anticipation of a triumphant, political, powerful Messiah who would liberate the Jews from Roman oppression. Judas, like many others, may have struggled to reconcile Jesus' teachings about peace and his refusal to raise an army with these expectations, leading to a sense of disappointment and frustration. Maybe. Certainly, Judas' actions were somehow part of the divine plan to fulfill prophecies concerning the Messiah's betrayal and subsequent crucifixion. And so in this view, Judas becomes a tragic figure predestined to play a crucial role in the unfolding of God's redemptive purposes. Judas is at the Last Supper with Jesus and his disciples before he died. In the Gospel accounts, Jesus announces that one of the disciples will betray him as he's eating that Last Supper, and it causes them to question their own loyalty. When Jesus identifies Judas as the betrayer, Judas responds with the words, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. This has always been curious to me because I would have thought that someone who would betray Jesus would have been quite obvious to the other disciples, but he wasn't. When Jesus mentions a betrayal, none of them know who it could be. That is, Judas was not a tag along. He was not an outsider. He was indistinguishable even to the disciples. But of course, he was not indistinguishable to Jesus. Jesus. And this emphasizes what Jesus taught about the wheat and the weeds. They grow up together, and you can't tell the difference until it's harvest time. And this is also a good lesson for us now. Let's not be too surprised when someone we thought was a firm believer falls away. It's not always easy to tell. The betrayal itself occurs in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Judas identifies Jesus to the authorities with a kiss, symbolizing the depth of his betrayal. Betrayal. At the moment of the betrayal, Judas was still such friends with Jesus that a kiss was appropriate. Or put another way, Jesus loved Judas so much that even though he knew Judas was betraying him in the moment, he allowed such vulnerability, such access to Judas that he could kiss him. Betrayal hurts the most when it violates such intimacy. The fate of Judas after the betrayal is very sad. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, it is recounted that Judas, overwhelmed by guilt, attempted to return the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, confessing, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. When the religious leaders refused to take back the money, Judas threw it into the temple and went out and hanged himself. The book of Acts describes a more graphic scenario in which Judas fell headlong and his body burst open. Theologians and scholars have debated whether these accounts can be harmonized or if they represent different, distinct traditions. I think they can be reconciled. If Judas hanged himself from a high tree and died, and his body hung there for a while, at some point his bloated body would fall to the ground and burst open, and that may well be what happened. The character of Judas Iscariot raises profound theological questions about human nature, free will, and divine providence. The tension between God's predestination and human responsibility is evident in the story of Judas. On the one hand, the Old Testament predicts that Jesus would be betrayed by a close friend, Psalm 41, and that he would be sold for 30 pieces of silver, Zechariah 11. At the Last Supper, Jesus encourages Judas to do what he's going to do. The betrayal leads to to the crucifixion, which was necessary for the redemption of the world. So does that mean that Judas is not responsible for his action? Well, of course not. The betrayal of the Holy Son of God is evil, and he should have known better. And this is the mystery of our faith. If Judas is not responsible for his actions, then really none of us are, and there's no need for the cross. But if God did not direct all things, then how is he God at all? And what do we do with the hundreds of prophecies fulfilled in the life of Jesus? If God is not directing all things, then the cross is just an accident of history, and it has no real power. In the end, Judas is one of the greatest villains in all of history, and his betrayal, he kisses the greatest hero in all of history, our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Gospel Gumbo Podcast. I would love to make Season 2, but I need to make sure that it is worthwhile. So I'm paying attention to three things. Downloads, feedback, and money. It costs money to publish a podcast, and not a small amount of work. Now, if you'll give me just $5 once, I'll give you your own private podcast link that will have all the episodes from Season 1 without any advertising, plus 10 extra bonus episodes. At various levels, you'll also get a lot of other cool stuff. Now, I'm not looking for a subscription, just a one-time purchase that will help me to know that this podcast has been helpful and that you would like me to make another season. Look for the show notes of this episode to find the link to give money. Podcasts are getting gobbled up by big corporations and conglomerates. Independent podcasters like me need your support. Thanks so much.